Ah, now we're live. Hello. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Monday, November 22nd. Hi, I'm Aaron Schatz, editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined by Ian O'Connor from Edge Sports to talk about week 11 in the NFL. We are live streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, in the little widget in the corner of our site, please. If you are watching us right now, make sure you ask comments in the chat. Ask some questions. Make some comments. Let's talk about week 11. Like and subscribe to the show, especially afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. If you plug the show, it would really be good for us and give us a big review so more people can find the shows. Don't forget that FO Plus is now on sale, just 99 cents a week for an annual subscription. It's a limited time offer. Gets you all our advanced stats, analysis, fantasy data, and betting information. Don't miss out. Limited time offer, 99 cents a week for an annual subscription, which you can access at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe or through the link in the description of the show. Yes, Todd Singer says the Colts have a winning record for the first time this season. Uh, after a couple of weeks of being better in DVOA than their record, I think everybody has kind of come around to the idea that the Colts are very good. We'll hit them later in the show, but let's talk first about Sunday night football, Steelers and Chargers, the wild game that ended the weekend. Um, the Chargers led the whole game. The Steelers made it a nail-biter. This game should not have been close, okay, based on my post-game win expectancy formula. We would expect the Chargers to win this game 97% of the time. They outgained the Steelers by over three yards per play. And yet they had to uh, hit the big touchdown at the end in order to um, they had to hit the big touchdown at the end in order to win the game. Uh, luckily, totally blown coverage by the Steelers, where uh, Cameron Sutton tried to jump Keenan Allen, where there was no throw and then the safety was not far back enough and uh, Mike Williams scored for 53 yards but let's talk about Brandon Staley who's a big candidate for coach of the year Ian talk about our best fourth down go of the week yeah Brandon Staley was actually our top coach in our first uh, head coach rankings a couple weeks ago the initial debut of that for this season he has been jumped since by Mike McCarthy last week. Staley had a couple errors, nothing too bad. Mike McCarthy had a pretty good week, though, in that blowout of the Falcons. Uh, nothing really high win probability, but made some good decisions. So Staley moved down to two, but wouldn't be surprised to see him move back up there this week after his, his week he had last night on Sunday Night Football. Comes out as the best fourth down go of the week. Surprisingly, it's his third best, I believe. He had those two against Philly that were, were at 15 or 16% and then up over 20%. This one was late uh, with 3.48 left. They were tied at 34, fourth and one on their own 34, decided to go for it. It was a 13.2% pre-snap increase in win probability. So this is one of those situations where it's a tie game. Even if you, you know, if you do fail, yeah, like they did, um, Austin Eckler was stopped um, right up the middle, didn't really have a chance from the start. Looked like he got hit a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage, tried to fall forward, uh, couldn't get it. Then in that situation, you know, the, the Steelers are already in field goal range. But they're, they're pretty close, so if they do score a touchdown or, or end up getting stopped for a field goal, chances are there's going to be enough time. Both teams still had three timeouts left. As it turned out, the Steelers got the field goal, as you mentioned. The touchdown, they ended up scoring the go-ahead touchdown instead of what, what I really thought was going to end up being 
you know, trying to get in the end zone end up being a game tying field goal to force overtime, which we see a lot. But yeah, the absolute just the backbreaker, the the blown coverage that let Mike Williams go 53 yards, uh, pretty much untouched. I think uh, safety got him, got his foot at the very end, was able to get in. Um, so that came in as the best fourth down decision of the week. This one also had our fourth most impactful play of the week. That Mike Williams touchdown we just mentioned comes in, I think, at number six, just outside the top five. The Chargers were already a little over 50% based on the probability of a tie going into overtime, um, as well as having a good chance to, to tie it or score a touchdown with, with a good amount of time left when they scored that touchdown. And they were right around midfield. So, But the fourth most impactful play – was the fourth down decision where they didn't get it. So we had the really good decision that was best of the week. And then the stop, uh, the, the negative play for the Chargers cost them 23.2%, uh, him getting stopped there and the Steelers taking over. So tough, tough break, but the Chargers were able to come out on top. That just kind of goes to show the, the process a lot of times more important than the result. You know, the, they could have easily lost after that, but, but Brandon Staley definitely putting his team in the best decision or best position to win with that decision. And, and we're able to to get some, some plays down the stretch to come out on top. Yeah, it shows you the difference between judging the decisions and like the results of the decisions, because the decision itself was a good one, even if the play didn't work and the Chargers do get out. Despite that, despite, uh, as Todd Singer points out, their Chargers special teams coming up small again. Mm -hmm. um, Joey Suck says complimenting Mike McCarthy will cause the analytics Illuminati to target you. I will let you take that on your next video discussing the coaches' rankings. But Mike McCarthy is actually very good at fourth down decision making. There are a lot of negative things that you can criticize about Mike McCarthy, but he actually is pretty good about fourth downs. Even in the past, you know, Green Bay, I know Frank did a, a piece on him, I think right after he got fired by by Green Bay against Arizona or the offseason right after that, looking at, you know, he had, you know, had kind of been seen as not really analytical, um, did have some really good, I don't remember off the top of my head, or one of them I know was against Seattle, kind of in their own ter went, territory, went forward in 2018, maybe that last season he was there. Um, I think they ended up losing that game, came back to buy them, but it really spent that offseason between being in Green Bay and Dallas, you know, going all in on analytics, kind of studying hard to relearn uh, the game, kind of get caught up, you know, on the league and the changes and analytics. And it has really shown over the last couple of years, even last year, he was making some good decisions that, you know, people didn't really agree with, especially considering they didn't have Dak Prescott, um, you know, kind of say, you know, the offense isn't very good. You can't be going for it. But yeah, he's been really good more often than not. He's got a couple bigger errors this year, um, but I'd say, you know, eight out of 10 times he's making the right decision this season. So the Chargers, like I said, outgained the Steelers by over three yards of play. They ended up with 32% DVOA for this game, so they move up. The Steelers were at minus 26%, so they moved down. Uh, before we get to our next highlighted game, first of all, I want to remind everybody about FO Plus, 99 cents a week for an annual subscription. Go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe, and you get all the DVOA splits. Picks against the spread, which are doing pretty well this year. Uh, fantasy football research information from Scott Spratt, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, we've got a fantasy question, Kelvion. I will say, Kelvion, fantasy questions are much better on Tuesdays and Fridays when we have Scott Spratt here doing fantasy football-focused shows. Uh, but he asks, would I do Dalvin Cook and Terry McLaurin for Justin Jefferson, Hollywood Brown, 
and Antonio Gibson. I guess part of the question is, what are you getting? You're trading two for three. So what is Hollywood Brown replacing? But honestly, I think I would rather have Dalvin Cook and McLaurin than Jefferson and Gibson. Gibson's not really having a great year, as far as I can tell. Again, I'm not the fantasy expert Scott Spratt is, so this is a better question for Tuesdays. But I would I would do Dalvin Cook and Terry McLaurin. Yeah, Gibson had the what was it the shin injury or something a couple of weeks ago that he was playing through like some type of I don't know if it was a fracture or something that I feel like could potentially pop up anytime. Like you said, we're not really the fantasy experts, but just from from follow, playing fantasy, you know, you kind of follow along. Justin actually traded away Justin Jefferson in a, a keeper league for um, Saquon and Darren Waller I think a couple weeks ago, but it, it it hurt me to get rid of him. It, it's uh, so if you're getting Jefferson, you know that could always be. That's always really good. But yeah, Dalvin Cook, I think, is is kind of the best out of all of those, especially considering the running back position is is typically harder to find those those studs. So uh, speaking of Hollywood Brown, didn't play this week. Uh, neither did Lamar Jackson, who was sick. Uh, I don't know why Lamar Jackson went to the game. If he was sick, he should have stayed home and gotten better. Uh, Tyler Huntley had to start for Baltimore, and then Justin Fields left the game injured, so it became battle of the backups between Baltimore and Chicago, which led this game to being closer than initially expected, which made this game have a lot more importance when it came to impactful plays and calls. Yeah, coming this one late, like you said, close games, when you get in the fourth quarter, you're going to see some really, really big numbers um, in there. And this one in the fourth quarter – Matt Nagy, who is actually 22nd in our coach rankings. We've caught a lot of flack over that the last couple of weeks, but he's actually 13th in CCI, which is the fourth down decision-making portion of coach rankings. Actually hasn't been as bad as people imagine. Say what you want about the rest of his coaching and, and you know, handling the team and Justin Fields. Right, our coaching rankings stuff. are not judging things like, are you preparing the correct scheme for Justin Fields? Mm-hmm. So. Right. So as far as fourth down goes and kind of optimizing win probability on fourth downs, He's been pretty good, and it was really no different here late in this game. Not too late, but 12 minutes, 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. They were up 7-6, to six, had fourth and one on their own 49-yard line, basically midfield. This one's kind of a kind of a no-brainer, but still early. You know, wouldn't be surprised to see a handful of coaches, um, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, even Mike Tomlin, you know, guys like that who have been around for a while who are consistently or are pretty low in our coach rankings um, compared to what people might think because they're so conservative. But Nagy chose to go for it in this situation. It was a nine and a half percent increase in pre-snap win probability. Ends up being the second best decision of the week, uh, right behind Brandon Staley's at thirteen point two percent. We just talked about this was another one where the right decision was made, but they failed. And David Montgomery uh, got no gain. Turned the ball. Was, I think there was a holding penalty. It was declined, obviously, and Baltimore took over. They were able to get the stop, though. Chicago was on defense. They got an interception off Huntley at their own fourteen-yard line. So. Uh, Baltimore was driving second and 10 at the 22, about 9-18 left. So just a few minutes after that failed fourth down, ended up being the fifth most impactful play of the week. Intercepted by Tashawn Gibson was a 22.6% decrease in win probability for the Ravens, obviously increased for the Bears. Um, And then the game would really come down to the wire the last two minutes. There were traded some blows here. The Bears took the lead, got a huge pass from Andy Dalton to Marquise Goodwin. I believe um, I didn't actually see much of this game. I saw this play. I think there was another broken coverage in this one. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, I will admit I did not see this either. I was watching uh, Indianapolis and Buffalo, and then I was watching Red. I think that was the case. Either way, the touchdown was huge. It gave them the lead. They were down 9-7 to at that point. Um, 
It was the second most impactful play of the week. It came on fourth and 11 as well. So the chances of, of alone converting the fourth and 11 are pretty difficult there. Um, but it was a 41.8% increase in win probability for the Bears. Not the first time I mentioned earlier on our uh, Edge Sports podcast that Andy Dalton has done something like this to the Ravens. He had that with the Bengals a couple of years ago that knocked Baltimore out of the playoffs and got Buffalo in that first year. And I think it was 2017. Um, had the big New Year's Eve long touchdown to Tyler Boyd. So he's, he was at it again this week, uh, breaking the hearts of the Ravens, but didn't completely break the heart. They bounced back. The Ravens got the game-winning touchdown, which was uh, set up by our most impactful play of the week that came uh, on third and 12 at the Chicago 32. Uh, Chicago had missed the two-point conversion to go up seven, so they were only up 13 to nine um, at this point. And, or sorry, to go up six. So it's 30, only 33 seconds left. They did still have a timeout. Huntley completes a pass to Sammy Watkins right down in front of the end zone on the sideline at the three-yard line. That was an increase of 44.7%. Aaron, as you mentioned, for the show, we were talking loser league. That set up Devonta Freeman's touchdown from three yards yeah, out. I had Devonta Freeman on my loser league roster this week. So bummer so for me. Late touchdown. At least it was only three yards. It helps, helps a little bit that it wasn't a long run sometime earlier in the game, anything like that. But – yeah, that was the most impactful play of the week. And then the, really the last thing of a handful that we have from this game was John Harbaugh. So we mentioned Matt Nagy being pretty good this year. John Harbaugh is fifth in our coach rankings coming into this past weekend, second in CCI, so second best in fourth down decision making. Really no surprise there. Uh, early in this one, it was late in the second quarter, fourth and one on the Chicago 43. They were up three to nothing. So both teams, I think at this point, Baltimore, I think had two timeouts. Chicago had three. So based on the timeouts and the time left, you're still in a situation where we suggest or recommend going for it. We've talked about a lot of times when you get down towards the end of the second quarter, we do recommend kicking. But with the amount of time left here, if Baltimore kicks the field goal at 61, 60, 61 yards, uh, even for Justin Tucker, definitely not a gimme. Um, probably he's the best chance of making that. But still, Chicago gets the ball with 30 Six thirty-seven seconds left. All their timeouts with a chance to go down and get some points. If you miss the field goal, they're already at midfield and only need fifteen-ish yards, ten to fifteen for a long field goal. Uh, so going for it was the correct call by our model, increasing their win probability by six point one percent. And they were able to convert, get eight yards in the first down. I think that's where they ended up getting. Um, actually, I don't think they ended up scoring before the half, but still kept Chicago from being able to score there uh, and taking a three and keeping their three-nothing lead at that point. Yeah, this was an unexpected result in this game. Baltimore's post-game win expectancy was only 28%. The Bears actually outgained the Ravens 6.2 to 3.9 per play, yards per play. So this was one of two games with an unexpected result this week. The other one, which we're not actually does not come up in any of the segments for the rest of the show, so I'll mention it now. The most unexpected result of the year so far was Packers 34, Vikings 31. Uh, sorry, Vikings 34, Packers 31, where the Packers outgained the Vikings by like 2.4 yards a play or something and had no turnovers. Based on post-game win expectancy, we would have expected the Packers to win that game 94% of the time, and instead the Vikings won. Yeah, it's a tough one. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> uh, I yeah, that was a rough one to watch. It hurts. The good news is you're still, I think, in the driver's seat, certainly for the division and a high, high 
by you know possibly for the bye week certainly. Yeah, I think with a win it would have been four and a half games up with six to go. Um, so still, yeah, pretty a few games up there. I think Minnesota's just now they're five and five, they're five hundred. So it was so, good for my long shot Minnesota bet that I made while I was yeah. in Las Vegas last Saw week. That. Put five dollars on Minnesota to win the NFC. Pays off one hundred and fifty if they actually do it. That was my big long shot yeah. bet. Although I certainly wish now that I had gone ahead and put a bet on the Patriots because they're yeah. now our Super Bowl favorites, believe it or not. Looking very good. I know. It's crazy because the NFC is a lot stronger than the AFC right now. The Patriots, I mean, the Bills and Chiefs too, but the Patriots have just a better, easier path to get to the Super Bowl than any of the mm-hmm. NFC teams because the NFC teams have to all go through each other. Yeah, you got to beat up on each other. Um Tell, tell me a little bit about the updated coach rankings video coming later this week. Before yeah, we so we actually – we won't have a video. Um, we will have coach rankings uh, with the holidays coming up and everything. Uh, we'll, we'll still update them. We'll be back with a video next week, but we will have our full rankings out on social media and on our site uh, as usual this week. So Great. Awesome. Uh, we love talking about which coaches go for it on fourth down, especially since the whole league goes for it more on fourth down now than they used to. Uh, let's put up the graphic with the top five most impactful plays of the week, even though we've already hit most of these. Uh, number five, we covered in the intro, which is the Ravens and Bears. Uh, yeah, we should be pretty quick getting through these. Yeah, that was Tyler Huntley's interception. Um, was 22.6, as you can see there. Number four was Austin Eckler getting stopped on fourth down, was cost him 23.2. Tied there was Ryan Tannehill's interception. So that's one we didn't cover. This was late in the, the last play of the first quarter. One intercepted and returned. Four interceptions the on the day. Four interceptions yeah. by the Houston Texans. A rough, very rough day for Tennessee. And uh, I know you mentioned it. We talked about it here too with – with uh, in DVOA and our power rankings, they're consistently, you know, they're middle of the pack, 15th, and getting a lot of flack from people the last couple of weeks on that one. And not that we expected the Houston Texans to beat Tennessee by any means, um, but not as surprising as an upset, I suppose, when looking at kind of the underlying metrics, as you know, and seeing how they've actually played this year. They've been able to squeak out a few close wins. And what they're 7-0, and I think, against – Playoff teams from last year now zero and two against the Texans and the yeah Jets, they've so. had they've had a hard schedule and they've won the games very close and they um, they have two of the six most surprising wins of the season by post game win expectancy the Saints and Seahawks games so the, the Titans just haven't been it's going to be an interesting test when they play the Patriots next week oh is that they've got the Patriots next week yep they go to Foxborough yeah, to play the Patriots next Sunday. That'll be good. Yeah, that'll definitely be a good test. Like, is a good test of DVOA. What it is? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I know you said the the couple it looked good yesterday with the the Titans losing, the Vikings winning, Green Bay losing, and then the Bills just kind of yeah, everything looked against... good for DVOA except for the stupid Bills. Yeah, but, but yeah, uh, this one though, like I said, I think it was the first of his interceptions. Um, Houston took eighty two yards, didn't score, but took it down to the Tennessee six. Surprisingly, I think they only got a field goal off of that because they were up 3 nothing at the time. I think I saw they were up 6 nothing eventually. So yep. still 23.2% decrease there. And then number two was the touchdown to Marquise uh, Goodwin from Andy Dalton. And number one was that Sammy Watkins catch that set up 
the game-winning touchdown uh, with just under 30 seconds left. Todd Singer suggests that Sunday's game will be 59 to nothing part two. I'm hoping not because I'm not ready to shovel snow yet. And the thing about that Titans 59 to nothing game from 2009 was that it was accompanied by a freak October snowstorm where the Patriots beat the Titans 59 to nothing. And uh, I don't think we're going to see part two of that, but you know, the Patriots fan in me and the DVOA person in me would like to see the Patriots win that game. So uh, let's talk about the best decisions the coaches made this week that had the most positive impact on the game in terms of win probability. We've already covered a couple of them, but uh, there's a couple from the Washington-Carolina game. There are good and bad decisions from the Washington-Carolina game. Let's start with good decisions from the Washington-Carolina game. Yeah, Matt Rule is just on one of these lists, um, but Ron Rivera is on both. So he, he makes it – he's lower on the list on the, the top five best. We'll start with number five, which is Matt Rule. This was, I believe, the opening possession of the game or Carolina's opening possession. Um, so I don't remember who got the ball first in this one. Either way, very early on, 11 minutes left in the first quarter. Carolina's got fourth and one at the 50-yard line right in midfield. They choose to go for it. Uh, increase in pre-snap win probability of 4.3%. They convert. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey gets 15 yards plus a horse collar on this one. It's pretty humdrum. This is the kind of decision that coaches are just making now, and we used to have to fight for this. And now coaches are, you know, you know, midfield, beginning of the game, fourth and one, let's rock that thing. Yep, and it's still funny because, you you know, you say that we always talk about kind of the usual suspects, how there's still a handful of coaches who would punt here earlier. I think it didn't show up, but Belichick, Thursday night, they had fourth and three at the Atlanta, 48 or 47, something. And yep. A little bit different, but still against an Atlanta team. Frustrating. There, Frustrating. Just... I would hope that even Belichick at this point would go for it on fourth and one, but he probably wouldn't. But most yeah. coaches would. Him, Pete Carroll are the two that I would guess probably would not. Even Joe Judge early on in the game like that with a lot of football to play. But but Rule, for, to his credit, you know, like a, a lot – we said a lot of them would, but he made the right call here. Um, they jumped from 66.2 to 71.8% in win probability with the, the 15 yards plus the 15 for the horse collar. And then number four, Ron Rivera. So this was late in the game, 21-21. Fourth and three at the Carolina 43 with only seven and a half minutes left, about halfway through the fourth quarter. Similar to the John Harbaugh one we talked about where a long field goal is 60, 61 yards. Joey Sly is now with Washington, used to be with Carolina, kicking against the old team. Has a big leg, but even then I don't think we would expect him to make a 61-yarder there. If you don't make it, you're giving the ball to Carolina at midfield uh, in a tie game. And so going for it too, and just your your, your chances of converting on a, even a fourth and three with um, – uh, you know, close to midfield and the, the amount that you can flip the field isn't really that good. You know, even if you get, you know, 30 yards, 35 to the 15 inside the 10, you're not going to really gain that much from it as you would from going for it and attempting to get the first down there. So Rivera makes the right call in this situation. We'll get to him later on. Like I said in our worst decisions, we'll see where he finished up there, but with a good one here at 5.4, then there's the Harbaugh one we discussed at 6.1. Matt Nagy at 9.5, and then Brandon Staley's uh, great call late uh, at 13.2. And interestingly, we, we said, you know, the with uh, Staley and Nagy, they did not convert. In uh, the Chargers case, they went on to win the game still. The Bears in position to win still late, kind of let it down. But Harbaugh was able – they were able to win. So 
Um, just goes to show, you know, they, they don't always work, but like we've said, just putting your team in the best position to win by optimizing your or maximizing your win probability on those fourth down decisions can win and lose a game, which we'll see on the worst decisions as well. Absolutely. Want to remind everybody again, comment on the live stream. If you're watching us live, like and subscribe our videos and channels on YouTube and Twitch. If you're listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, please review the show. Let your friends know to listen to the show. We're here every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern, although not this week. There will be no Thursday and Friday shows this week because of Thanksgiving. Let's talk about the worst decisions. These are the decisions coaches made that had the most negative impact in terms of win probability. These are games uh, decisions we have not yet discussed today. Oh, interesting. Some of these coaches we see a lot. Hi, Kyle Shanahan. How are you? His was extremely interesting because this was the opening drive of the game. They go 20 uh, with the field goal, 20 plays, 87 yards, 13 minutes and five seconds. And then he ends it with a field goal on fourth and one from the two. And what's kind of, I guess there's a couple things that are really interesting to me here is one, your heavy favorites against Jacksonville. Even if you don't get it, they're pinned back inside their own, you know, at their own two with still three quarters of football left because San Francisco decided they wanted to use the whole quarter. Um, but also you can still get a first down. You don't have to score. You can get one yard. And this was right after, I think, too, he missed wide open Jeff Wilson. Um, yeah. Second the end zone, short of the end zone, could have gotten yeah. a touchdown. Um, so, but it's still a fourth and one. You're the 49ers. We saw what they did running the ball last week. Like they want, he wants to run the ball. You've got, you don't even have to, if you don't want, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo who had been playing pretty well. We had a pretty good game yesterday. I think threw for two, maybe three touchdowns, two touchdowns at least, I think. Um, so this one was just really surprising to see it after you put in all that work on that drive to end it with a field goal on fourth and one. From the San Francisco team. is fourth in offensive DVOA right now. They are fifth passing and eighth rushing. He took a timeout just to make the decision to kick a field goal. Just a terrible, terrible decision overall. And not only with the running, we mentioned Jeff Wilson, but you've got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, two guys who can run the ball as well out of the back. Yeah, you want to do one of those little goofy jet sweeps that the Steelers keep trying to do with the goal line? You've got great guys to do it with. Yeah, so that that one was interesting. If this had happened later, it would have come in. A lot higher. I'm not, I want to say that I don't think he would make that decision in a close game where it matters a lot more. But like you said, we see him a lot. So I, I can't say that with confidence. But then number four, another guy we've seen on here the last few weeks, Rich Basaccia of Las Vegas. This one, they're down four. Still a lot of football left in this one, which you could kind of use that argument either way. But just under 12 minutes left in the third quarter, fourth and one at their own 31 chooses to punt uh, there. You know, you've got another team. Maybe not a great offense, but still Derek Carr with – you've got Darren Waller. Uh, you've got Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, you know, guys. Pretty good athletes on that team and, and that if you can't get a yard with them or don't even want to try with them, like it's pretty questionable to me that, that you don't even want to give that a shot. So something we mentioned earlier too um, in the, the other podcast that we did uh, here was that earlier in the season with – over last year, he was – seem like they kind of come around over the last year or two and have been going for a lot of these situations. Can't say for sure that he would have here, especially on his own 31. Um, I think he did have a couple in his own territory that he went for. Um, so to see that, you know, with them is pretty surprising, but not necessarily after the few weeks when we've seen from Versace and some of his decision-making since 
in the last couple of weeks. And then number three and number two, I kind of want to talk about together. Dan Campbell, because he's been pretty good this year. He was 10th in our CCI. Again, that's the fourth down decision-making metric. Um, for those of you watching that aren't familiar with that in our coach rankings. And had been, you know, it's been really a great. He's gone for it in his own territory at times, at his own 34. Last week against Pittsburgh, he did it on fourth and one, I think, from his own 34. So this week he had fourth and one at the Cleveland 25, down six with 9-11 left in the game. Got a good running back in DeAndre Swift, who I think went for 140-something yards yesterday. You know, you do have the backup quarterback, uh, Tim Boyle. I don't know if if he kind of was thinking they're expecting to run and doesn't really trust Boyle to – to get a yard uh, if he wants him to throw the ball. But still, a one-yard NFL, even a, a bad team, you would think would get that at least probably 50 or even an average team over 50% of the time. So surprising there. And then the other one that is a little more surprising, um, I think late in the game they were down three, had fourth and nine at their own 41 with only two and a half minutes left. They did still have all three of their timeouts left, but they chose to punt. And this is a situation that late in the game, there's a good chance you don't get the ball back, especially against Cleveland, who I think or I think was still number one in rush number offense. Number one in run DVOA, yep. Yeah, so that's and, – and Detroit isn't, you know, isn't uh, uh, very good, you know, not one – Dan Campbell, I think I heard on his press conference, I think it was on this decision, said he liked the way his defense was playing, which is surprising to hear from a Detroit coach at all in the last however many years. Uh, you're going to trust your defense, especially against that very good – Cleveland rushing offense and the way it worked out, Detroit never saw the ball again. So those were both, you know, combined there for 13% win probability loss on two plays there um, coming about seven minutes apart, six and a half minutes apart-ish. But another one similar to that that's not on here, though, speaking of McCarthy, who's been pretty good, this one doesn't show up in the top fives because they were so low in win probability, but they had fourth and nine, I think, at their own 42, Dallas did yesterday, trailing about 10 and chose to punt and crazy, you know, it's like you already need a touchdown extra point and field goal and you're kicking it away to Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs who didn't put up a ton of points, but still have been, have looked better the last couple of games. They were able to move the ball yesterday. Uh, it seemed pretty well just settled for some field goals. Uh, had a couple errors of their own, nothing too crazy, but just to, to pretty much. And I don't even think Kansas city scored there, but they used five minutes left. Dallas didn't get the ball back till two and a half minutes left, still down 10. So it's kind of a situation of you either get the ball back with way less time, still down 10, or Kansas City scores more points, and then you're in an even deeper hole. We got to hit number one, though. Ron Rivera, he got away with it. He got away with it, but he kicked the field goal to go up six. Never kick the field goal that goes up six. Yeah, and we see this a lot on fourth and ones, fourth and twos. Uh, This one, fourth and three, still – Two minutes left. You don't get it. Carolina is still at their own 11. They had no timeouts left. So you're forcing the Panthers to go down the field with no timeouts. And given they're, you know, more of a running team with Cam, you know, he's only in the offense the second week. He's had the shoulder issues, you know, at counting on him to, to or making him throw the ball to get down the field. Um, so, yeah, to just – and like you said, making a one-score game into a one-score game where a field goal or a touchdown beats you either way. Uh, the defense was able to bail him out, got the sack of Cam Newton right around midfield, I think, to end the game. But this is one I, th- I think it's going to be a little bit longer before we see coaches come around on this one. We see it just about every week that someone is kicking there to go up six when they're up three uh, and forcing the other team to have to score a touchdown, but also making them more aggressive because they have to score a touchdown. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if we can get some guys come around on, on this one 
a little bit more, but that's one that is still, I think, a hard pill to swallow for, for a lot of coaches. Yeah. Don't forget you can find all these top fives and more top fives at the edgesports.com editorial section of top fives, edgesports.com, E-D-J sports. Com. All right, Monday Night Football, Giants versus Tampa Bay. We're going to see a blowout or we're going to see a surprisingly close game. Bucks are on a two-game losing streak. Giants have won two of their last three, although the three and six. Uh, Arians is middle of the road in our coach rankings. Judge is 30th. Line is currently Bucks minus 11. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, and with Arians and Judge, so they're actually – Judge is 29th, I think, in CCI, that fourth down decision-making. Arians is 28th, uh, or they might be switched, but they're both bottom of the pack. Uh, Tampa Bay, just as good as they – or as well as they've played so far this year, is pulling him up a little bit. The Giants obviously have not been playing as well, but they've won. Uh, I think There's not three. going to be a lot of fourth down goes in this game. There will not be. <laughs> not at all. These, this might be one where we see a couple – Fourth and one punts at the 50. But, yeah, we both teams really banged up. Um, Saquon Barkley should be back for the Giants. Uh, who knows how much work he'll get. Devontae Booker's also hurt, but I think I saw they're both expected to play, so we'll probably split some work there. But yeah, you mentioned it's 11 points in the market. This is one where we're surprisingly – or not surprisingly, where we're higher on Tampa Bay, which we no, see a lot of – No, it is surprising. Edge digits. tends to take – I will say the edge sports uh, simulations tend to take underdogs, so I'm a little surprised that it takes the favor here. Yeah, I think, and part it, part of it, I think, is the home field advantage we've discussed too gives them a little bit extra. Yeah, especially in, in the we don't see a whole lot of ours in the double digits. Occasionally, we had a couple last week, a couple of the week before, I think. But to see us like a team more than the market in the double digits is a little surprising. But yeah, we we like them just a little bit more. Still pretty close. Uh, still pretty small margins there. The over we do like a little bit more. The market uh, last I saw looks like it's at fifty now. Um, our fair value total comes in at 53, so a few points higher there for for a little bit more scoring in this game. The the public is pretty split. 52% of the bets are on New York, but 60% of the money is on Tampa Bay. I don't think you know it all. Kind of seems to to add up to me. Nothing really too surprising. Um, really, an yeah, a pretty close game in the maybe slightly. FO plus pick is the Giants just. Barely. I would not want to bet on this game. I think the line is about what it should be. Yeah, and they, they just played, or not just, but last year, it was also November, they had a Monday night game up in New York where the Giants scored late, missed the two-point conversion, that could have tied it, but the Bucks went into that one, I think it's 11-point favorites also. Uh, when I was looking at it the other day, I can't remember if that's what it was, but they were right around 10 or 11 and just escaped uh, up there over time or, or needing a, a game-winning field goal. Went looking through a bunch of player props also. Uh, none of them really held value compared to Scott Spratt's projections. So this is, a, you know, if you feel like you've got to bet on Monday Night Football and you just can't help yourself, then I guess go with the over 50. But, um, yeah, this is not a good game to be betting. Pretty boring game from a betting perspective. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show live on the YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to my cousin Ari, who said happy Thanksgiving earlier in the show. Uh, sorry we're not joining you this year. Uh, the family's not all getting together like usual. Um, 
don't forget to watch and the show every day at 1 p.m. Eastern. Scott Spratt will be here tomorrow with Derek Klassen to talk fantasy football. And then on Wednesday, we'll be doing our usual weekend preview show a little earlier than usual with me, Mike Tanier, uh, Derek, and Vince Verhey. Please subscribe to the show on your platform of choice. Five-star reviews are very helpful for us to grow, so please leave a review. And don't forget about those FO Plus subscriptions now on sale, just 99 cents a week, limited time offer, getting you all of our stat splits and the history of DVOA, all of the fantasy research data, betting information, fantasy projections, picks against the spread, all this stuff, 99 cents a week, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Ian, thank you for joining me again today. I'll see you again next Monday. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Looking forward to some time off. I'm not going to say happy Thanksgiving to our viewers because I want you watching again tomorrow and Wednesday. Scott tomorrow, me back on Wednesday. Enjoy Monday Night Football, even if you don't have money on it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock Eastern. Bye-bye, all.